Closeted Weeb Anime Podcast, the only anime podcast that sold our souls to become magical podcasters. My name is Lee. And I'm Bryce. Welcome back. All right. We are doing a special uh, two topics, one episode today. Uh, since winter 2022 has been such a god-awful season, we had to, uh, for our mid-season review, we're going to do uh, two topics. So we're going to do winter 2022, and we're going to do this 12-episode show that came out in 2011 called Madoka magica because lee really wanted to be a magical girl um all about the magical girls (laughs) exactly (laughs) um so to start things off let's do it's mainly just shows we're continuing um so obviously the most popular of the shows is attack on titan uh final season lee want to go uh yeah incredible uh again we're not going to go into any plot details uh just because it's one of those shows that would be spoiled to discuss anything that's happening this late into the show. But not only was it great at the beginning of this season, it's still fantastic into the middle of the season. And unless they really manage to mess it up, which uh, from everything I've heard from manga readers, it's still good. Like it ends well. So um, I think it's going to be fantastic. It could, I don't know if I would, we'll see when we get to the end, whether I would, evaluate putting it on my top 10 list but it's like man what a strong ending uh, i mean it hasn't ended but like a strong final season for a show i i have been nothing but impressed it's and, and considering how kind of uh negative i've been on you know season two of the show and like you know the earlier seasons of it thinking it was kind of not that special um i think it's been a huge turnaround for it to have won me over this much bryce what about you yeah like the somehow the plot of the show just keeps going up a level um and it's been really just on my end is really rewarding seeing all these kind of mysteries that were like like back in like early season one like kind of like answered in such a like resounding rewarding way like i didn't think i'd even be that invested in some of these mysteries being resolved but the way they've i guess done it in a theatrical manner is like just unbelievable and like tying into the plot like throughout this journey it's been great um so the next show we're gonna talk about is demon slayer uh season two Part two, uh, Lee, you want to go? Yeah, so this was the entertainment uh, district arc or the red light district arc. Um, I think it was amazingly animated fight sequence, which was something you could say about the first season of Demon Slayer. Um, And I don't think anyone's ever criticized Demon Slayer's animation. That's always been a strong point and that has not changed. Um, I enjoyed this season more than probably any other part of Demon Slayer. Uh, I will say as it as we got to the final like three episodes, the final fight lasted probably like one whole episode too long. Um, It did that thing that's really annoying in anime where like they fake so many deaths. Oh, the fight's over. The fight's over. The fight's over. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. Like you can only do that maybe once or twice, but this, this fight did it like three or four times where it, it faked characters death. It made it look like the fight was over when it obviously wasn't. And like, even when they could have just ended it, it's like, Oh, actually no, here's one more thing that doesn't actually affect the plot at all. I remember tweeting about how stupid it was at one point where it's like, the main character goes confirms surprise, surprise that one of the other characters is alive. And then like three seconds later, he's like, why am I the only one who survived? Meanwhile, nobody died. Nobody. 
sorry if that's a spoiler that nobody died, but this is a show where nobody dies except for one person who dies in a movie, but he doesn't matter. So, um, sorry, spoiler again. I don't care. The plot of Demon Slayer is not important. It's like a, it's like a, uh, it's like a roller coaster ride, right? Like nobody rides a roller coaster for like the the plot. Um, so that's how I feel about it. Um, that's that, that's a very negative way to think say that I liked it, but I do feel like the show, even even when I like it, I still feel like the show is overhyped. But Bryce, what about you? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a super fair take. Um, I think they've done a better job this season of making, and we said this before, like the side characters not as annoying, pretty much just because. They, they didn't talk. talk. Yeah, which is great. <laughs> it's a huge help for the show. Um, you know, I've enjoyed, like, the combined battles, right? It's known for its actions, animation, its fighting, and, like, the Tanjiro fighting with the Hashira, uh, the sound Hashira was was fun. It was enjoyable to watch. Um, overall, it was still, like, a really good season. I think it was my, my favorite season, mainly because I think it was just, again, just less interaction with the annoying side characters. Um, continue to appreciate, I guess, like, how vulnerable these, like, top Hashira are as we've been, like, kind of slowly introduced to them. Um, each step of the way, which has been good. Um, I guess now we have two whose like careers or whatever have ended, um, and now we've kind of been a top level demon. So like the power scaling has been good so far, and I'm excited to keep watching the rest of the seasons. We'll see if, if it gets to the seven deadly sins or Naruto like way over the top power scaling. But for now, like it's like an early to mid season of a shonen. It's fun. I'll keep enjoying it. Yeah. Um, moving on to the next show, uh, How a Realist Hero Married the Entire Kingdom. Um, <laughs> so we've talked about Realist Hero before. It's the isekai where a mid-level like civil servant gets transported to a fantasy kingdom and basically applies modern day, uh, you know, offensive realism, uh, just logistical city planning, urban planning, all of that sort of things into an isekai world and all that. That aspect of the show fantastic chef's kiss we really enjoy it uh what i don't enjoy is that our character has married four women in like a span of three episodes <laughs> and like at some level there's a little bit of it where it makes sense where it's like oh yeah like in feudal times people had like marriages of convenience for political reasons sure um, and like at least one or two of them are that, but the rest of them are just this show being a stupid harem. Um, that being said, I am still enjoying this season. It's taken some, you know, it's taken some turns and like set up some like kind of chess pieces in a way that's going to be interesting. And so I haven't quit it yet. And even when the show is being dumb and harem like, it's very innocently harem like because our character isn't a pervert. He's just like, a, a man with no testosterone uh, for lack of a better word. He's just very awkward around all these women who want to throw themselves at him. Um, so at least at that level, the harem aspect is annoying, but muted. It's not, you know, we're not getting weird close-up shots of our, the female's feet. Um, so as much as I'm going to continue to complain about the harem aspects of the show, it's not doing it in the most disgusting way possible. So I'll tolerate it. This show is still enjoyable, um, but I think later in this episode, we're going to compare it to a different show. And I think we'll be able to highlight some of the strengths of a show not having um, a, a harem about it. Bryce, what about you? Yeah. I mean, you summed it up well, still enjoy the dialogue, still enjoy the strategy. There's been like a lot of like Machiavellian quotes, which have led to these really like morbid events that have been, honestly really enjoyable to see um but yeah, yeah the, the show still like the show was able to surprise me even this far into it and I, I know season two doesn't sound like that far into it but like a lot of things have happened so i i was it definitely shocked me when um 
like you said, some of the Machiavellian stuff that he does happens. Definitely. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're also right. Like it's, it's too many wives at this point. Like it's like, thank God this show is zero, like fan, like fan service, I think really, or not. Yeah, I mean, all it is is like, Um, oh no, Senpai, why are you letting another girl sleep in your bed with you? But like, literally, just sleeping in the bed. Like, it it is explicitly not. They're explicit that nothing happens. They're just like, oh no, someone is sleeping in your bed with you, master. Why are you letting this happen? Like, that's level. So if you can tolerate that, you can tolerate this show. Yeah, no, for sure. Compared to like most things in anime, yeah, this is like the tolerable level is fine. Um, but still, like, it's definitely a nuisance, I'm not gonna lie, and it's annoying, it's another, like, it classic Isekai trope. Um, but we can stop talking about Realist Hero. Um, let's move on to, I mean, what's been, for me, it's been my favorite show, I think, of the season. Um, we can go to Osama Ranking. Lee, you wanna go? You introduced me to the show. Yeah, Osama Ranking, still fantastic. It's a show about a young prince who is kind of, like, has a, we don't know, basically he's deaf he's mute he can't really speak um and he's very very small and like physically weak um but he kind of is out on this journey and there's this whole succession crisis within his kingdom and um not gonna explain it beyond that but every episode has had basically perfect pacing perfect character development perfect plot advancement perfect exposition and perfect action i mean like the the show feels like it never compromises on anything i i feel like there's barely been a point where there's been a weakness i think the the only thing that i've ever felt the need to nitpick at is how quickly everybody forgives each other um i feel like that's the only thing in the show where i'm a little like okay about but like that's such a small minor detail um that i think it's fine uh and then i'll let you talk about it and then i just wanted to bring up something i saw on twitter about the show after you uh give your thoughts bryce uh, sure. I mean, I agree with you, man. Like every episode's like this emotional roller coaster. I'm a little bit more forgiving of them being forgiving because of like the dynamic personalities of the characters, how they're so like multifaceted. I think like because they all, each of them has like kind of like a darker side or a lighter side to their personalities, that they can kind of relate to the other characters and become more forgiving in terms of the the circumstance and situation they're in. But I agree, it's like a, it's a fair thing to be like mildly upset about. Um. But I don't think they've really wasted any screen time. Um, I really do, like, pretty much love every character and just, like, will continue to enjoy this show. And, like, each episode just, like, gets you so invested, like, emotionally. I I still have no idea also how many seasons this show is going to be or, like, if this show is going to be two seasons or ten. Um, but I'm I'm ecstatic. I'm so into it. Yeah. Um. So you saw the most recent episode, right? Yes. So there was, like... It's not real drama because it's on Twitter. It's like Twitter drama. But some some reviewer was complaining that uh, so apparently the backstory on um, one of the characters on uh, Lady Miranjo, they were comparing it. They, uh, they were saying that some people are claiming that it's a negative depiction of like Japanese Korean um, like relations where uh, I don't know if you remember. But basically, there is a backstory where this one kingdom has to leave their country, move to a different kingdom that's like relatively impoverished. And then they build up that new kingdom and then get betrayed by the local populace. And then they use some like images of how the huts were drawn and stuff to claim that, oh, this is clearly a depiction of like Korea and an analogy of like Japanese uh, like 
occupation of Korea after they built up like the infrastructure of the nation and stuff, which like, Oh, wow. I I don't know enough to speak definitively either way is what I mean by, I don't know enough. I don't know enough about Osama rankings writer and whether that was their intentions. I think there's a lot of reasons that that's probably not really a great applicable um, comparison. I know some people just enjoy being upset about things, but I did think it was an interesting thing to bring up, but I feel like, I don't know. My opinion was, it's like, just because you can draw like a racist parallel to a plot device and something, it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to, I don't think it means you need to like disavow the show because that was like some of the stances people were taking is like, I used uh, to love this show it was my favorite. It's such a shame that this is what they're doing now. Whereas I'm still kind of like, I, I don't know. I don't see it. Um, I, I get that. Like, there may be like Japanese nationalist groups being like, we love Osama ranking because it accurately depicts our opinions. But I, I feel like that's just not, it. it's a story about a cute little boy who is trying to take back his kingdom. Like that's, that's all it is for me. I, I don't feel like it's a particularly political show. No, I agree. Like fully. Okay. Uh, I just forgot to bring it up because I thought it was interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So anyway, uh, onto the actual new shows this season. And part of the reason we're only doing, we're, we're, we're doubling up this episode is because we're only watching two shows, original shows uh, from this season. Uh, the first one being The Genius Prince's Guide to Raising a Nation Out of Debt. Um, so this is a show that we are um, continuously comparing to Realist Hero because it is very similar. It is a prince or you're basically the leader of a kingdom uh, who has a bunch of problems and he is particularly gifted in finding ways to overcome them and all this other stuff. Um, so obviously there's a lot of parallels. This one's technically not an isekai, but it feels like one, um, in the sense of the fantasy world and all that. Um, I honestly am starting to like this show more and more one on its own merits. I think on its own merits alone, it, it stands up and it's a good show, but considering that we continuously compare it to realist hero, the more realist hero gets harem like the more I prefer this show. Um, the, this show is set up more as a comedy of errors, um, but it has the same like geopolitical realism, Machiavellianism, even though obviously Machiavelli doesn't exist in this world. Um, and it has all of that same stuff that made me enjoy Realist Hero, but minus all of that annoying stuff. Uh, so I've been really, really enjoying it. I'm like excited with where they're kind of heading it. And uh, yeah, otherwise just generally positive. I think I don't think the show is going to be like anybody's top 10 ever. I don't think it's an incredible masterpiece, um, but considering how weak the rest of the season is, the show's good. I think I would enjoy it in any season. It would just never be like a top three. No, I completely agree. Um, show's also like grown me a ton. I think the main character in Genius Prince is significantly more likable than the main character in Just Here for me. I just think he's like a lot less bland. Um, yeah, he has a personality. He's not yeah. just... A smart guy he like has a personality exactly um so i think that's a big like factor in its direction um you know i've enjoyed the bunch of like towns and cities they've visited and i've been able to kind of map it out in my mind i have an understanding like i'm slowly growing my understanding of the world and they do a good job of like expanding the world view um you know the internal monologues create this kind of like comedy effect which makes it so really funny enjoyable and also like factors in perfectly of a balance of like the comedy as well as kind of like these sort of like endless brain games of like these rulers trying to like one up each other in these different scenarios and as we've kind of grown the pool of rulers in the scenarios um that the prince faces at first nation of, of Na- natra 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 um so 
I've enjoyed it, man. I'm excited to keep watching it. Yeah, but I agree, it's not a top three show. <laughs> the one thing that I, I you saw the most recent episode, right? Yes. Like there's a gender reveal, not like a baby gender reveal, but like as you know, in many anime, you'll have like a someone disguising their true identity, and then actually it turns out that. I had to disguise myself as a man so that blah, blah, blah. They had a gender reveal for a character that I thought was a girl the entire time. <laughs> like, like, I was like, oh, no, I was actually the princess. It's like, okay, I didn't know you were a princess, but I knew you were a girl. Like, you did not convince me at any point that you were actually a boy. And I, I felt know. the same. I was very thrown off by that as well. I was, I was yeah, that was like the, the it was just like not the worst thing to mess up in the world. I was just like. I, like, the fact that they even revealed it, I was like, oh, uh, okay. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. And the funny thing, too, is it's like, it's an anime. You can draw characters in an androgynous way to where, like, yeah, I don't know if it's a boy or a girl. But this one was just, it was just so bad, it was funny. Um, anyway, uh, the next show we're going to talk about is uh, Riemann's Club, spelled like Ryman. Um, but anyway, this is the show about a, uh, basically, businessman's uh intramural badminton league so in japan you have these corporations who like have their who sponsor their own teams to compete in uh different competitions and this show is about a uh a basically badminton prodigy who's got kicked off his original team and is now working at another company uh in their like marketing department or sales or marketing i think it's sales team um while also playing badminton with this new team I think the show has a great balance of both like him working at a beverage company, which is not inherently the most interesting thing and the badminton. Cause one, you know, these aren't high, like with a high, with like a high cue, for example, it's like, yeah, you're a kid. All you're really focused on is whatever sport you're playing. Um, whereas this, it's like, they have lives outside of it. They have other responsibilities. And um, I've been enjoying them. Like, for example, right now, our main character who's like new to the industry, new to the job is like trying to develop this like weird new beverage. And so like, you know, on certain episodes, you just have them focusing on like, how can we make this a real product that might succeed? And like, that has been surprisingly interesting and fun to watch. And like, I really like the characters. They're likable. They're memorable. Um, the sports scenes are actually animated. Um, so again, like, what's not to like? Do I think this would be a top three show in another season? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Probably not. But it's quality on its own, regardless of how weak the season is. So um, if you want a new sports anime and you've already watched all the staples, give this show a try. Bryce, what are you thinking? Yeah, um, I mean, you summed up pretty well. It's like really likable characters. They do a good split of time between like work and playing badminton and then becoming friends as teammates. Like, um, there's enough rivalries in the show to make it Disney enough enjoyable. They're not like too lost in the weeds on these rivalries. They don't overemphasize it. Um, so the show definitely benefits because it focuses on like such a variety within the twenty to twenty five minute window. Instead of just focusing solely on the sport, I don't think the show would be strong enough. Or if the show was focusing just on the work, it wouldn't be strong enough. Um, it keeps you entertained. Um, the one thing I do not like, Lee, is uh, we have brought up the show that, oh, there's like an iguana character. And, you know, we talk a lot about the cute pets whenever we look at these seasonals. And iguana's not impressed me. Not a big enough role. So what's not so likely? That's the answer. <laughs> yeah, the iguana. Well, it's like they had it in the first episode and like they throw the it in the closing too. credits. And like yeah. that's the only time you see it. It's not impressive. They're not winning us over, but I can forgive it because, again, it gets no screen time. 
but it, it is funny that like all these like shows are now like trying to have these you know, you no one will ever beat John the Armadillo and nobody will beat the turtle from uh, Remain, but, you know, it can be close. <laughs> so anyway, that's uh, that's all for our mid-season review of the winter 2022 anime season. Uh, we are now transitioning to our uh, review of Madoka Magica. Um, so we're going to get into a pre-spoilers uh, brief summary of the plot. Um, Madoka Kaname is a schoolgirl who is very just normal um she is offered a um she basically finds out that there's this kind of like there's this like weird little cat thing that's like getting hunted by this new transfer student and she tries to protect it and then through all of these events it's revealed to her that there are actually magical girls with magical powers think like sailor moon almost who have to fight witches and witches are these kind of evil entities that kind of commit people to do bad things whether that's like suicide murder it's like basically the culmination of negative emotional energy and these magical girls have to fight them to protect the cities that they live in um but it also helps them because they have to in order to use their powers they have to recharge it by also eliminating witches so that's the general um, idea of the summary on its face. It is a very standard magical girls anime. Um, Bryce, why should someone watch this show? Um, we're obviously, this is still the pre-spoiler section. Um, there's obviously a bit more to the show than just that summary. But again, we're, we're avoiding uh, spoilers. And anyway, Bryce, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, sure. So I've actually tried. I've now seen this show twice over the course of I think two weeks. Um, I use it sort of as like a gateway anime for one of our friends who likes darker, weirder horror type shows. So I showed him the English dub of this on Netflix, and it definitely takes like this like predictable moe genre and kind of just like flips it on its axis in a unique and fun way. It's only twelve episodes, so that's easy for anyone to dive into. And I truly think the show gets better each episode. Um, the way I guess uh, I introduced it to our friend was basically when you think you have a full understanding of the show and it's predictable, you don't. Yeah, no, for sure. And then also I wanted to explain to anybody who's not familiar with the term moe, and I don't know why you would be uh, unless yeah, you're sure. um, one of us. Moe is this genre that was very popular in like the late 2000s to early 2010s. Um, that's basically, uh, there's more nuance to it than how I'm going to describe it. It literally just means cute girls. It, it's like, it, just imagine you have uh, a plot that you want to write. In the same way you think of isekai as a genre, you can think of moe as that. Except instead of being transported to a different world, imagine if all of your characters are cute, short girls. That's that's basically what moe is slash was. Um, so for me, I it's funny because I this is something I would never consider a gateway anime. I'm glad that our friend enjoyed it. Um, but this is definitely like not a show that I would, uh, start someone on. I, I think it makes sense with like that person's individual tastes. Um, this is a weird show. I think you should think of it in the vein of like Higurashi, Elf and Lead, uh, Serial Experiments Lane. Um, uh, it's, it's short and sweet. It's only like 12 episode and it commits a hundred percent to its premise. Uh, I would recommend it to someone who is like tired of mainstream run-of-the-mill anime. And like I said, it's only 12 episodes. You, you know, it's not a whole lot to commit to. Um, I mean, I don't even think Steins Gate is like 
that fantastic until episode 12. This entire show is 12 episodes. So um, for that reason, I think it's it's a solid start. So um, I think we're going to have to be... We, I think we can talk about who we liked without getting into spoilers. Um, but if, if at one point, yeah, okay, we can get to that. So Bryce, out of the characters, it's a relatively shorter, smaller cast. So it's not, it's not a huge uh, ensemble. Um, who did you like? Like who stood out to you uh, and who like, did you enjoy watching on the screen? Sure. So, I mean, I like QB, the weird cat thing. Uh, I enjoy Mamie, who's one of the earlier characters in Homer, the transfer student. Each of them has like, mysterious aspects of their personality that makes you want to get to know them better and figure out their role in the show. It's kind of all I can really say. Yeah, no, I, I enjoy the majority of the characters. Um, for me, the standouts were Kyubei and Homura. Um, so again, Kyubei is like this cute little cat character um, that can speak telepathically. Um, and then uh, Homura is the transfer student um, who is also a magical girl. Majority of the characters in the show are magical girls because that's the premise. Um, and then we always usually mention, you know, was there anybody you didn't like? Uh, were there any like weaker characters in your opinion? Um. So Madoka definitely has like periods where she annoys me just because of the amount of like, I guess, I don't know. I'm not a huge Moe anime fan. So <laughs> like a lot of the like typical Moe, like I guess sound effects, like, oh, like reaction to like every situation. Yeah. Like sound like exactly. every, everyone sounds like Peach and Mario. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good example. <laughs> um, so, I mean, but obviously your character, please serves purpose, like makes sense. But like, I'm not gonna lie, that definitely annoys me. Same with like her best friend Saika has like moments that bother me but like her character is such like a strong purpose like for the white way she is so like like overall i understand why the characters were chosen to have certain personality traits and it fits well into the show yeah I, i'm madoka never annoyed me but i did find her character somewhat flat considering she is like the namesake and one of the main characters of the show um but again i, I agree it kind of fits with the moe genre the personality type but again i just she just felt flat uh at times but other than that i mean that's for that to be the extent of our criticism of the characters i still think that's fairly standout considering the fact that majority of these characters are like cutesy girl types and that can get draining after a while so um anyway i think we'll just start off by saying uh we're talking about this show because we like it uh we mentioned who we think might enjoy this type of show. So uh, if that interests you, probably stop listening now because from here on, we're going to get into spoilers. And this is a show where going into it fresh is one of the critical aspects for your enjoyment of it, I I think. So Same. Um, I genuinely think stop listening now if you're even slightly intrigued. Um, but anyway, we're going to we're gonna get into the spoilers now. So um, Bryce, uh, I'm going to let you go first on this one because I think we have the same answer. And I think everyone would. But at what point were you hooked on this show? Yeah, sure. So I mean, it's, it's the end of episode three when uh, Mamie Tomoe, who's been kind of introduced as this like, uh, you know, noble hero, like magical girl who's going to like fight the witches, defeat the witches, you're going to unite with her and potentially Sayaka and Madoka. And they'll become like this like trio of like magical girls who are going to like this type of little shonen protagonist sort of story and like defeat the witches is kind of what you'd expect um and episode three which she dies is very like dramatic death at the hands of the witch i think at that point we all kind of realize whoa this show is going to be a lot i guess darker than we expected um and maybe the same with yuli but i knew literally nothing going into this show other than it had 
in the name and the title and the first picture you see um, when you click the image uh, to start watching the show, it's magical girls and powers. And I knew that Lee liked it, which is always a red flag, but <laughs> huge red uh, flag. <laughs> but um, her death was so surprising. And all of a sudden, I got in my like anime binge mode and I wanted to just fully dive into it. Um, so that was the biggest moment. Um, I do also want to bring up one more uh, example that I thought like really just like, I think took the show to like kind of like another level, I guess, um, is for me was when, uh, you know, Sayaka has become a magical girl and, you know, she's kind of like starting to go down this downward spiral where she tells Madoka like, you want to help me? Like, you want to make a difference? Like, why aren't you a magical girl? Like when she kind of like snaps and her personality sort of changes and then, right, the show just kind of spirals from there. Like every episode is some unbelievable, like dark, negative, like plot twist that makes you want to just keep going and going. And I think that episode brought the show down, I think, an even darker turn than I may have expected. Um, Definitely. How about you? Um, yeah, so obviously the same episode three. Um, I had heard that the show was darker than it first appeared, which was kind of what intrigued me. And a lot of the people that I'd heard recommend it were people whose tastes aligned fairly well with mine. So I was like, okay, like this isn't just some run of the mill show, but I also heard kind of go into it dark. So, um, or, you know, go into it blind. So the, I think the only thing I knew is I, I did know that like, and I, like, I don't know, they, they portray QBA in a way that's, I, I feel like the show does this balance really well. But um, like I said, when seeing mommy get bit in half and like her lifeless corp just like thrown to the ground, like sets the stage for the show. I, I like, the, like, you know, it's, it's easy enough to just like kill a character and have everyone be sad for five episodes, but to actually like have it be relatively gruesome. Um, it, it makes the choice of our main characters for like whether or not they want to wish granted and to become magical girls a lot more difficult you know what i mean like you yeah. almost like in any other type of show you would be like oh yeah you, you you have like the first episode where the premise is there second episode you get the powers and the rest of the show is you using your powers to fight evil this show is almost entirely about the the decision that madoka has to make on whether or not to become a magical girl like it's that constant balance. So I really, really enjoyed uh, just like that struggle. And despite the fact that like mommy dies in a particularly brutal way, this show is not like gory in any sense. I mean, mm -hmm. like, honestly, I think that is the only example of gore in it. The show manages to be dark in a way that isn't in your face, which I don't always hate. Obviously I love like Higurashi. Um, but in this show, I think it fits it much better. Like I, I don't need to see these cute girls being brutalized in a million different ways. Like that's not what it's about. Um, it's a lot more subtle than that. Um, even though that first one really just like, just sets the scene. And then the other thing I wanted to say that I, it's a weird thing for me to notice and really like, but I really loved the ba background art design. So mm. like every setting, like they live in this city and either it's this like gorgeous, realistic future city, you know, full of just like tall buildings and like public walkways, highway overpasses and like just designed in a very creative and like gorgeous way that like got no attention. Like that was never even about the premise of the show. You could have made the show set in like just a regular Japan or something. Um, so for that to be there. And then the other thing I love is this like crazy art house, like witch realms. Like yeah. whenever they are battling the witches, they're in these like realms where the art style is completely different. 
Um, and I like just absolutely adore how much love went into like the art direction on this show. So those two factors, both plot and just design wise, really like hooked me on it. I think also the uh, the meaning when you once you learn the meaning behind like the witch realms is like mind blowing. Like once you see kind of like Sayaka's and you kind of get it, it's like unbelievable. Like the creativity behind it. I enjoyed it so much. Definitely. Um, so I think the next thing I wanted to ask about, and uh, so obviously we kind of described this as Moe. This is like one of those quintessential Moe shows. Um, do you think that the Moe aspects of the show take away from your enjoyment? Or, and the reason I bring that up is like Steins Gate um, is a show that kind of suffers from its aesthetic. So Steins Gate has this aesthetic of like late 2000s internet culture and a lot of the characters talk in that way and i think it detracts from it um whereas this show is obviously wearing its moe you know credential like credentials on its sleeve um or conversely do you think like the subversion of the genre adds to it um lee you want to go first uh, yeah sorry i asked the question but i guess um so for me i was gonna say that honestly i think it's a bit of both um i think on the one side it adds to it because it helps catch you off guard Um, everybody's like familiar with like the Sailor Moon IP. I've never really watched that show, but like you can't escape Sailor Moon. So you like, oh yeah, magical girls. I get it. It's, they get their magical powers. They switch into their cute costume and then they shoot magic beams at monsters. Um, but I think the other thing about it, and so like, obviously whenever the show takes a darker turn, um, to not only just the, the action, but also the, the kind of, uh, deal with the devil that you make to become a magical girl, Um, I, I think that that's all fantastic, but I do think that it does keep the show from being more popular because the art style, uh, I think, I mean, it's the reason I didn't watch it for basically 10 years. Um, it's just like, I don't know, you, you look at it, it's a bunch of cute girls with like wands and like, as someone who watches primarily, primarily like Shonen and Seinen, um, I just, you know, it just turned me away. I just wasn't interested. It took a lot of people telling me that it was really good for a very, very, very long time for me to give it a watch. Like I knew that this show was considered really good back when I was in like high school and I still didn't watch it until now. So, um, I think in that regard it does. Um, but yeah, so it's a balance. I I think there's aspects that could, you know, have the show make a broader appeal if it wasn't OA. Um, but Bryce, what about you? No, I completely agree. Like, I remember when you texted me, like, hey, dude, I'm going to watch Madoka Magica. I was like, Madoka Magica, like the weird girls show with the wands or whatever. Like, what? Why Why are you leaning into this late? Um, but um, no, you're completely right. Um, the Moe aspect of the show is just really needed because, like, for me, I was so caught off guard in terms of, like, what the, the show was, what direction the show was going in. I was, like, completely thrown off. Um you know, the only really, I guess, annoying part about it is I guess I wasn't a huge fan of like huge fan of the main character and I found her like Moe traits like sometimes annoying at times. But it's like also super important for her to maintain her positivity and like cheery, like sort of like nature to surprise you with the dark twist the way like the show does. Like it really helps like with hiding, I guess, like how insanely creepy QB is because you think it's like I don't know like I, I recently like I rewatched the show right and when you see how QB's always like in the bedroom oh QB's cute with the girls this it's like a stuffed animal 
oh, it's like latching onto Madoka's shoulder like a little cat. Aw. Like, then it's like, oh, it's kind of reading their thoughts without their consent. That's kind of strange. Um, But when you're watching this show like a second time and just like the way the cat's eyes just don't blink too, it's like, um, it just rewards you with, wow, you're really like, I guess, tricked all along. So it's also necessary to make you think being a magical girl. It also helps like uh, with this premise, making you think that being a magical girl is doing something for the greater good and like really adds to this heroic uh, deed during like the the main uh mommy arc um but in reality obviously it's like this creepy cat who's able to use its appeal as a stuffed animal to like i don't know be the ultimate big brother like invading your privacy yeah. well the other thing too imaginable. is that's clearly not its real form right because yeah the, the body of cuba cuba gets like destroyed multiple times in the show and it comes back so like clearly the real entity so it's like it's almost it, it becomes clear that like the form that cuba takes is intentional and it's intentional to be cute in order to be appealing to young girls. You know what I yeah. mean? Like it, it becomes very clear how predatory um, Cube really is. For sure. Um, um, so that's yes. part of like watching the show, I guess like what was like the biggest surprise for you, Lee? So this is where I'm going to get into a lot of the actual like details. Uh, if you, you know, if you're listening to this and you didn't watch the show, this is where this shit really goes off the rails. I absolutely <laughs> love that this show committed to an absolutely batshit concept around, around why magical girls exist. Because like, imagine if season 24 of sailor moon reveals that actually there's this alien species and they're trying to fight entropy. So entropy is the the notion that energy dissipates over time. Like you, you the, the amount of energy in the world is finite and eventually everything's going to go cold and, you know, back to nothing. Right. So there's this alien species trying to fight entropy in the universe and they're doing this by granting magical powers in exchange for the physical bodies of these girls. And the reason they're doing this is they they also know that 100% of the girls that turn into magical girls are also going to turn into witches eventually. And whenever this happens, they are going to release a net positive amount of energy into the universe because emotions are like the only thing that is like creates more energy than it takes up. And so it's like, even though it's causing death and destruction along the way, the entire premise behind why they're doing this is just to create more energy into the universe to extend the lifespan of everybody. If that sounds wild for a show about magical girls, that's because it absolutely is. Like I could have seen the show going a bunch of different ways. And like Cube always gave me bad vibes. Also, I love that Cube is short for the word incubator. Um, yeah, because sure. like what they do is they like feed Cube these like little um they feed them the empty like uh I don't remember the word, like grief seeds or whatever. Yep. Grief um, seeds, yep. But it's like he's an incubator and for all this energy and stuff. Like he always gave me bad vibes, but that was not even a consideration in my mind of what this show was about and like why, you know, cause obviously there was always a darker undertone, you know, Homura is always trying to convince Madoka that she, that she shouldn't become a magical girl. And it's like, you know, like, Oh, what is it like the devil? Like, is it, you know, are you selling your soul? It's like, Nope, they're trying to fight universal entropy. It's just so wild. And I absolutely love that a show was like 
able to get greenlit that could commit to such a wild concept. And again, this just kind of ties back into this subversion of the Moe genre um, for it to go into such a weird, a weird motivation. I, I absolutely adore that about this show. Um, Bryce, what about you? No, I mean, that's definitely was unbelievably surprising everything about that when it happened. Um, for me, I guess like kind of what stood out was even just like, I guess kind of like the initial premise and the initial path I kind of expected the way to, the show to go down. Um, but I'm always going to be really surprised, I guess, that Madoka never became this all-powerful magical girl who would save the day. I mean, even in the first minute when you're watching the show, you see Homura in the dream when you see Homura battling and they're like, you can save her. You can become this all-powerful like magical girl. The very like shonen protagonist type of like opening and i'm like okay at some point she's gonna turn into a magical girl she's gonna save the day then you're watching the mommy like character arc and it's like oh you can be a hero you can like uh, defeat the witches you can become a magical girl all right she's gonna become a magical girl sooner or later right she's just like deciding oh she's deciding her wish maybe she's gonna help her mom or maybe help sayaka i don't know but like all right let's like become a magical girl already then like when she's fighting she sees sayaka turn into a like magical girl and the kind of the kind of pressure gets added on i'm like all right now she has to be becoming a magical girl and like she's gonna i don't know she's gonna make the decision she's gonna regret it of course but like now she's a magical girl and she's gonna i don't know maybe make a difference and like help save them or something i had this like i was constantly tricked and surprised by like this concept of thinking that it would eventually would have like a I guess a happier ending for her and like she would be this hero and I mean she does I guess become a magical girl in different timelines and she becomes a hero in the end in her final act to like save magical girls but I'm surprised with how little of the show involved her actually being a magical girl and fighting witches um and I don't know obviously I was shocked by other countless aspects of the show you know like obviously like where witches came from why magical girls exist like Homura everything about QB, all of that is a ridiculous level of surprising. But I think it was because I, like, for some reason expected this, like, expect this, like, show an outcome because you're given this premise of, like, you know, these magical girls are fighting for the greater good or whatever, that I think I really benefited being just, like, countlessly surprised again and again while, like, watching this show. Absolutely. Um, and then I think our final thing, uh, obviously we have a lot of praise for this show, Um would there be anything that you wish the show did differently? Um, sure. So I wouldn't, I mean, I thought the show overall was like really good. So there's very like, this is, I guess, very like nitpicky, but like um, I wouldn't have minded if the show spent more time exploring Homer's, I guess, time travel experiences. And they could have spent more time diving in, I guess, to like the different worlds she came from and experiences she had. I think, cause that was just such a fascinating part of the show. And I wouldn't say, I don't know if it felt rushed is the right word, but just a lot came at me like really fast. And I was trying to like grasp the, the entire situation because um, it was such a huge plot just to throw at you. Um, I also would be intrigued to learn more about, I guess, like the magical girl situation, other cities. Like, I'm still curious to see like why there are any magical girls that like team up against witches. I've always been kind of fascinated why that's like a foreign concept. Is it different in other places? Um, well, it's because I think only one of them can really use the grief seed. So it's like, no, I get use... that. But no, sorry. So I, I do, I do like, I do get that. But I like, I remember like in one of the earlier episodes, they were like, oh, there's still an, another use out of it. Like when Mamie offers it to Homer, like, oh, there's another use out of the grief. Yeah, no, that's magic. Yeah. So I was kind of like, that always kind of was like, why don't they work together? There has to be some sort of like exchange of energy, if, especially like if the risk is using, losing your life to witches, I'd rather just like share, I don't know, some sort of sharing system that always kind of intrigued me. And maybe if it was different in other cities, or other cultures, like magical girls, but 
I'm getting way too in the weeds. Um, and I think it also could have been useful to have, I guess, more of like a backstory on like the incubator race. I know they had like, uh, I think it was like episode 11 where they go into how uh, the incubators have like caused all changes or whatever in humanity and humankind or whatever. Um, but I think it would have been nice to have more of a backstory personally. Um, I also think they could have spent more time on that. Um, but how about you? Yeah, I, I, I will say at times I do feel like the show feels a little rushed. And it honestly made me think that the show was an adaptation of like a longer manga. Um, but after a very quick Google, like this was an anime original. Like this was, there was no source material from like a previous manga. Like this was a straight to anime um, show. So what I think is I would have liked a bit more flavor added to Madoka's character. Um, and I think in order to do that, what they could have done is had more normal, non-fighting, like daily life amongst the girls, which would like also fit the moe genre, like almost like, a, you know, start off a bit more slice of life. Um, I also think the ending would have hit harder if I was a bit more invested in all of them. Um, that being said, I still think they did like a great job covering as much ground as they did in only 12 episodes. Like the fact that we can say as much as we have about the plot and it was only 12 episodes and we're still leaving out certain details. Like, I think that this show with 24 episodes, I think the big reveals could be milked even more. Like, for example, I think they could have covered, like, how much Homura was time traveling in an attempt to save Madoka. Um, they could cover that over two episodes instead of just one, right? Um, I think the big reveals would just be bigger um and they would have more time to delve into each plot point like exactly what you're talking about is like you know i want to know more about the incubators i want to know more about um the other magical girls throughout history and stuff um and the one thing i will say is this is nitpicky i think it is very very rare that i actually want a show to slow down its pacing a bit um mm -hmm. so i i think the show if it were to ever be remade i think it would be great if they made it 24 episodes and like i said wait a little bit longer for some of the the big reveals so that you have a bit more investment into all of them but all of that being said absolutely fantastic show i don't know if i'd put it in my top 10 but it would definitely be an honorable mention in any top 10 list that i were to make in the future same absolutely all right well i think that wraps it up for this episode uh if you'd like to get in contact with us about anything we've said you can find us on twitter at weeb underscore podcast and you can email us at closetedweebap at gmail.com. All right. Thanks for listening. See you next time.